Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. No one needs an assault rifle to hunt Bambi. AR-15s just look scary. Why do you need a weapon that fires that fast and with that many bullets? <laughs> well, these, these are all things that, that we hear from liberals and people who want to take away your guns. Many of them don't even know the first thing about a weapon. And they have heard these phrases and have said to themselves, yeah, that makes sense. And, and really, don't get me wrong, many people support gun control and confiscation out of a, a place of, of good intentions, really. They see the high-profile mass shootings on their favorite propaganda media, and they want to do something about it. Well, another such case just happened. The New York Times says that from Cleveland, Texas, a Hispanic male was firing his gun in his yard again on Friday night, rambling off loud bangs that were keeping Wilson Garcia's baby awake. So Mr. Garcia said he went over to his neighbor and asked if he could stop. The male, who the authorities said had been drinking, said no. His yard, he said, his rules. Mr. Garcia, who's 30, warned that he would call the police. But after this Hispanic male, who was 38, walked back into his house, he reemerged with an AR-15. He walked toward Mr. Garcia's cream-colored home, where he shot and killed Mr. Garcia's wife, who had called the police and was standing near the entrance. The rampage continued inside Mr. Garcia's home where the authorities said the shooter fatally shot four other people, almost execution style. He wanted to kill us all, to leave no evidence, Mr. Garcia said in an interview. The episode in Cleveland, Texas, which is about mm, 45 miles northeast of, of Houston, prompted a sprawling search for the gunman who may have fled the area and remains at large. Now, police tracked his cell phone to um, a certain place, but uh, that was where he dumped it along with some other clothing. Now, three other people were uh, taken to hospitals after the shooting, which happened around 11.30 p.m. The conditions were not immediately known, and the victims were all from Honduras, officials said. Four people were pronounced dead at the scene. And a fifth person died at a hospital, uh, the San um, uh, Jacinto uh, County Sheriff's Office said. The FBI identified the victims as Mr. Garcia's wife, Sonia Guzman, uh, 25, uh, Diana uh, Val Valquez uh, Al uh, Alvarado, who was 21, uh, Julieza uh, Molina Rivera, who was 31, Jose Jonathan Cesares, who was uh, 18, and Daniel Enrique Lasso, who was 9. Now, <clears throat> several law enforcement agencies, including the FBI, were searching homes and, and wooded areas on foot 
and with drones to find the shooter. This is what Sheriff Greg Caspers of the San San Jacinto uh, County said in a phone interview on Saturday. Now, Mr. Garcia, who moved to the United States from Honduras three years ago, said that he had never had any problems with the shooter, who had once actually helped Mr. Garcia take down a tree. Mr. Garcia said that after the, the shooter shot his wife, the gunman chased him. Mr. Garcia actually escaped through a window and ran outside. Quote, I thought he was going to follow me, he said. But after he couldn't catch me, he went back to the house to finish them off. Mr. Garcia said he went to a family member's house to hide, but then he returned to his home. He said, quote, I came back for my two children, he said. They were hiding in the closet. The two women protecting them uh, were, uh, were there dead. Uh, they were actually hugging the children. According to uh, Carlos Ramirez, Mr. Garcia's brother, and the two women were killed um, shielding uh, the six-year-old boy and the three-year-old girl who survived. Now, Romero Guzman, the brother of Mr. Garcia's wife, said in a phone interview that after Mr. Garcia asked his neighbor to stop shooting near their house, he sensed danger and asked his sister to flee. And Ms. Guzman told him that she did not think that he, he would hurt them and stayed put. But seconds later, the gunman shot her and quickly moved to the living room where he fatally shot Mr. Guzman's nephew. Mr. Guzman said that he quickly grabbed his wife and six-month-old son and hid in a closet as he heard the gunman continue to shoot family members. He tried calling the police, but service was kind of bad there, and so he called his aunt and asked her to call law enforcement. Quote, I, I could not get a hold of the police, Mr. Guzman said in tears, and he was killing my family. And and they literally called 911, by the way, five times. And it took the police over 10 minutes to get to the scene. Everybody that that was shot was shot from the neck up, almost execution style, said the sheriff. And and the shooter had, had entered, get this, entered the U.S. illegally and had been deported by immigration officials at least four times times. A U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement source said that the suspect was first removed by an immigration judge in March of 2009. The ICE source told CNN on Monday, quote, at an unknown time and location, he unlawfully re-entered the United States and was apprehended and removed several more times by ICE enforcement and and removal operations, uh, both in September of 2009, January of 2012, and July of 2016. So what is the, the liberal response to these kind of horrific tragedies? I mean, I go through this one in, in some detail for a reason, because this was something that didn't have to happen. Getting away from our open border and all that kind of stuff, not even talking about that. This tragedy did not have to happen. But what is the liberals' response to these type of horrific tragedies? Well, Washington State 
approved a package of gun control measures on Tuesday that includes a ban on the sale of military-style semi-automatic weapons, making it the ninth state to join efforts to prevent the distribution of AR-15s and other powerful rifles often used by mass shootings. Now, the new laws put Washington in the ranks of states with the strongest gun control measures in the nation. They include a 10-day waiting period on gun purchases. Okay, that's number one. Uh, uh, Gun safety training requirements and a provision allowing the state attorney general and customers to sue gun manufacturers or dealers under public nuisance laws if they negligently allow their guns to fall into the hands of minors or dangerous individuals, as it says. Gun rights uh, proponents swiftly filed lawsuit, I mean, within minutes, filed lawsuit to challenge the uh, semi-automatic rifle ban, saying it infringed on the Second Amendment rights. Of course it does. Now, Washington is among a series of states, largely led by Democrats, that have advanced gun legislation this year as the nation continues to grapple with repeated mass shootings. Now, Republicans have moved in the opposite direction of liberals, with lawmakers in several states introducing legislation to expand the ability to carry concealed weapons without a permit and eliminate such things as gun-free zones, which, of course, a lot of these mass shootings uh, happen uh, in gun-free zones because the shooters know there's not going to be any guns there, right? Uh, Background checks and red flag laws, uh, those type of things are um, obviously being uh, being looked at at uh, by by Republicans, uh, which allow the removal of guns from people deemed to be at high risk of violence or self harm. Now, red flag laws, I personally am not in favor of. I think that they're unconstitutional as well. But of course, that's another podcast, right? <clears throat> About half of all states now allow people to carry a handgun without a permit. That's up from 16 states just last, well, 2020, from 2020. In uh, in signing the new laws, Governor Inslee, Jay Inslee, said that there was no legitimate purpose for such guns. Did you hear what he says here? Here's here's his quote. Quote, these weapons of war, assault weapons, have no reason other than mass murder, he says. Their only purpose is to kill humans as rapidly as possible in large numbers, unquote. That's the governor of Washington and his quote. The new laws enacted in Washington join a series of other gun control measures that have been adopted in the state in recent years. In 2018, voters approved an initiative that raised the age for purchasing military-style rifles to 21 and created an enhanced background check system for those guns that included a 10-day waiting period. The new legislation now requires the 10-day waiting period for purchase, purchasing any kind of gun. While several states require waiting periods, only California and Hawaii require a full 10 days. Washington is one of nine states that require gun buyers to provide proof of training. Now, legislation uh, allowing lawsuits against private parties for negligent sales has now been passed in five states. Representative Liz Berry, and she's a, a, a Democratic lawmaker in Washington who uh, sponsored 
one of the new bills, said that she ran for office three years ago because she was angry over the number of people affected by gun violence. She said that the new waiting period was critical to preventing guns from being used by people in crisis. And training requirements, she said, can help people learn about safety, uh, safe wep- uh, weapons handling and how to keep guns away from children. Miss Perry noted that students in Washington had engaged in recent protests to persuade lawmakers to take action to end gun violence. Quote, we see you, we hear you, Miss Perry said. And today we are doing something about it. <laughs> but the, the quote, doing something part is only making things worse. I mean, seriously, think about this for just for a second, okay? I took you through the mass shooting in Texas. And I just took you through a liberal's response, liberal state's response to these types of shootings. What part of these new laws would have stopped the shooting in Texas? Okay, let's take a look. You have to be 21 years old to buy a gun. Would that have stopped the shooting? Nope. You have to wait 10 days in order to get any gun. Would that have stopped the shooting in Texas? Nope. You you have to take a class. Would that have stopped the shooting in Texas? Nope. The banning of AR-15s and assault uh, weapons, assault rifles, right? Would that have stopped the shooting in Texas? Nope. So none of these liberal solutions, or we, we use the word solutions loosely, none of these liberal solutions would have prevented this tragedy. They only make it harder to defend yourself. A- Amy Swearinger, uh, she writes for the Daily Signal. She says, after every high-profile mass shooting, gun control advocates reflexively demand that we do something about the problem. Invariably, that something means a very specific set of things, which can be summarized as a singular effort to impose California's restrictive gun laws at the federal level. But did anyone bother asking whether California's, quote, cure for mass shootings even works in California before peddling it to the nation? Yeah, I don't think so. But let's take a look. California's 39.2 million residents comprise 11.8% of the U.S. population. Now, I know numbers can can kind of, you know, fly around and it's hard, hard to, to, to understand, and uh, particularly over this type of media. But let's let's just hit a few of these okay cuz this is data california's 20 or i'm sorry 39.2 million residents comprise 11.8% of the us population almost 12% of the population in america live in california yet according to the data from mother jones mass shooting database the state accounts for 20% of the nation's mass shootings since 2012 and 16.1% of the mass shooting fatalities. No other state comes close to bearing much 
as, as much responsibility for mass shootings as California. In fact, the nation's second most populous state, Texas, accounts for only 8.2% of the mass shootings since 2012 and 14.3% of the mass fatalities, mass shooting fatalities, despite having a polar opposite approach to gun policy. I mean, the, the two almost couldn't be any, any farther apart. While California's governor ha- has spent the last 12 years imposing increasingly more restrictive gun control measures on its residents, its mass shooting problem isn't getting better. If anything, it's actually getting worse. Between 2012 and 2017, 20% of all mass shooting, public shootings and, and um, incidences, and 13.4% of all mass public shooting fatalities occurred in California. From 2018 through February, mid-February of this year, the state was still responsible for 20% of all mass shooting incidences, but its share of mass public shooting fatalities soared to a whopping 20.8%, almost 21% of the mass public shooting fatalities happened in California. The Mother Joe's database uses the more traditional definition of mass shootings in which three or more people other than the shooter are killed in a public setting during an act of indiscriminate violence. There are, of course, other ways of defining a mass shooting. In recent years, the definition provided by the Gun Violence Archive, which lumps together any and all shootings in which at least four people are shot, regardless of the location or context, has become the darling, of course, of gun control advocates who love to invoke its higher numbers as a scare tactic. But clearly, those advocates are less interested in analyzing the underlying data. It's not just data from California and Texas that leaves Gun Control Inc. with a far more precarious argument than, than they care to admit. You know, between, between 2019 and 2022, so last year, uh, as, as just one example, A-rated Illinois, Maryland, and Connecticut had far higher mass shooting rates than, than um, shooters per, per 100,000 residents. Um, it, it, they, they had the numbers of, of 2.11, 1.24, and 0.41 shootings per 100,000 residents, respectively. Um, that, that uh, they, they had those numbers were far higher than the F-rated states like Utah, at 0.06, or Maine at 0.07, or New Hampshire at 0.07, or West Virginia at at 0.23, Arizona 0.39. I mean, these are minuscule, and yet these are the states that get an F rating when it comes to their gun control laws, right? But nothing could be as damning as, you know, to to the gun control narrative on how to stop mass shootings as the reality experienced by the 2.7 million people living within the city limits of Chicago. At a a state level, 
Illinois gun laws routinely rank among the most restrictive in the nation and receive an A-minus rating from Giffords. At a local level, Cook County, in which, of course, Chicago is located, has long imposed even more restrictions on residents. So they're even more restrictive within the county uh, uh, where Chicago is located than even the, the state of Illinois. Uh, including uh, they, they, they include a ban on so-called assault weapons uh, there as well. And yet, according to the gun violence archive data, this 228 square mile area holding less than 1% of the nation's population could properly be called the nation's mass shooting capital. I mean, between 2014 and and, and January 31st of this year, 7.8% of all mass shootings and 7.9%, almost 8% of the mass shooting victimizations occurred in the Windy City. Shockingly, in seven of the nine years for which there is complete data, Chicago suffered more mass shootings than the entire state of Texas. Wow. Meanwhile, Indiana, that's you know Chicago's next door neighbor whose less restrictive gun laws are so often and really so unfairly uh, blamed uh, for Chicago's bloodshed, hasn't been awash in, in the same violence. I mean, it, it accounts for 2.1% of mass shootings and 2.1% of mass shooting victimizations between 2014 and and January 31st of this year, which in both cases is roughly equal to its propagation uh, for um, uh, the the U.S. population. Now, it turns out that for all of the indignant demands to just do something, gun control advocates keep feeding the nation snake oil remedies that don't do much of anything. Well, except, of course, run roughshod over the constitution. I mean, there's, there's no spoonful of sugar big enough to make that medicine go down. And no matter what liberals say, a good guy with a gun does, does stop the bad guy in a, in a press conference, defending the state's new restrictions on concealed carry permit holders, New York governor, um, Kathy Holcomb, uh, sorry, um, Hochul, there we go. A, uh, she, she's a Democrat. Uh, and she told reporters this. she said, quote, this whole concept that a good guy with a gun will stop the bad guy with a gun. It doesn't hold up. The data bears this out. So that theory is over. That's what she said. And, and with all due respect to the governor, she is clearly hasn't actually looked at the data. And, and and that's that's being kind to her, to be honest with you, because I think she she probably knows some of the data and she definitely has has access to it. And yet she's spouting just the opposite of truth here. Almost every major study on the issue has found that Americans use their firearms in self-defense between about a half a million and three million times annually. 
According to the latest report on the subject by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, in 2022, a more comprehensive study concluded that roughly 1.6 million defensive gun uses occurred in the United States every year. That's a CDC. All right. So let's look at some examples of how these leftist types are just lying to us all. Let, let's let's take examples from from just one month, okay? So uh, let's let's narrow it down a bit. Okay? We're going to we're going to look at some examples of good guys with guns who actually prevent bad guys from doing their thing. And let's just take one month because we with all those numbers Clearly, we don't have time on this podcast to go over it all, right? So let's just look at one month. Let's let's go back to September of last year, shall we? September 1st, the very first day of September in Detroit, a woman shot and wounded a man who ran into her porch while fleeing from police after a hit and run. The woman told police that she felt threatened by the man and couldn't tell what was in his hand when he approached her. And the man was charged with fleeing police, resisting arrest, and obstructing police. Two days later, Adams Run, South Carolina. Police said a homeowner isn't expected to face charges after he shot and wounded a man who smashed a window and climbed into his home in the middle of the night. The suspect apparently had been drinking and doing some drugs at a nearby party before he broke in. Police said that they found a small bag of cocaine in his possession. On September 9th in Pensacola, Florida, when uh, when a would-be robber with a shotgun entered a convenience store, the clerk ran to the back room and grabbed his own firearm, police said, and the threat of armed assistance or resistance, I'm sorry, apparently stunned the robber who told the clerk, I'm not from around here. I'm from Chicago, bro, <laughs> before he fleed. <laughs> no shots were fired. And police arrested the suspect just several days later. On the very same day, Channel View, Texas, a woman was home with her three children. A 12-year-old and two 17-year-olds uh, were there when a f- when four armed and masked men tried to force their way inside, police said. One of the teens grabbed a shotgun and fired several rounds at the intruders, killing two and sending the uh, other two fleeing. On September 13th, In Chicago, police said that two gunmen randomly opened fire on a family celebrating a grandmother's birthday, critically injuring a 13-year-old boy who was returning to the party with his uncle after buying a game at a nearby store. The uncle, a a concealed carry permit holder, returned fire at the gunman, and they fled. The wounded teen was expected to survive but faced a long road uh, for recovery and police later arrested two men and charged them with attempted murder. A day later, Hyattsville, Maryland, a resident saw a a would-be package thief struggling with the postal service deliveryman and tried to intervene, the police said. The thief then assaulted the resident and chased him into his house. The resident was able to reach his handgun and shot the thief once in the leg, wounding him. This is what the police said. And on September 17th, 
Ridgeland, Mississippi. Police said that the owner of a popcorn store shot and wounded a teenage girl who pulled a gun on him while trying to shoplift. The teen was taken to the hospital for treatment before being charged as, uh, as an adult with aggravated assault with a weapon. On September 19th in Tenino, Washington, a homeowner who, whose property had been burglarized multiple times spotted two suspects all a trained vehicles parked near a store trailer and alerted his brother who lived nearby and uh, armed with a uh, with a rifle they confronted two burglars who were breaking into the trailer one burglar immediately fled but the second charged uh, charged at the homeowner and his brother both and the homeowner shot him once wounding him and the uh, police later arrested the first burglar september 23rd calling dale pennsylvania a man was walking to work early in the morning when a car with headlights off stopped in front of him, blocking his path. <clears throat> Three men, in, uh, masked, masked individuals, um, excited and appro- um, exited, sorry, and approached the man, and one of them appeared to reach for a gun. The man drew his own legally possessed gun and fired, hitting one person in the leg. The uh, the three fled. Police later arrested 15-year-old girl, a 22-year-old man, in connection with the attempted robbery. And investigators determined the, the, that the vehicle used had been stolen during the carjacking in Pennsylvania. On the 24th, just one day later, Patterson, California, a woman fatally shot an intoxicated intruder, intruder who had assaulted her husband while, while trying to break into the couple's home. The husband initially tried to re- restrain the intruder, but ended up being injured in a significant fight, the police said. The woman saw her husband struggling, grabbed a handgun that she had legally acquired just one day earlier, and shot the intruder. September 28th, Wichita, Kansas. Police credited the actions of an armed standby uh, um, bystander with helping to save a motorist's life during a brutal knife attack. The assailant rammed the man's car on purpose smashing out the windows with nunchucks and then began grabbing the driver as he tried to get the two young children out of the car. One witness drove her car at the suspect, stopping his attack. The bystander then held the assailant at gunpoint, allowing the others to give aid to the badly injured man, police said. September 30th in Missoula, Montana, a driver has uh, was stopped at a traffic light when he saw a machete-wheeling man chasing someone down the street and armed with a with his handgun the driver confronted the assailant and held him at gunpoint until police arrived the suspect was charged with three counts of fel- felonious assault with a weapon you see all as as these recent cases show the reality of armed citizens defending life liberty and property has never been more relevant and and more supported by the available evidence. Restricting the Second Amendment rights of law-abiding Americans doesn't make them safer. It just hinders their ability to protect themselves and others, making them even more vulnerable to attacks by criminals who know their victims are defenseless. And you see, we went through all of these. This wasn't even all the incidences from that month. This is just some of the incidences from that one month. This is just one month. And this and and this is how good guys with a gun thwart bad guys. So don't let anybody tell you 
that that isn't the case. And what we need is less of these restrictive gun control laws that don't do anything but hinder people from protecting themselves. Now, you may agree with that. You may completely disagree. Love to hear from you on it. And of course, you can always do that at UncommonSensePodcast.com. Thank you very much for listening. This podcast is a production of Morganite Communications.